In three years, he does what no one has ever done. A man claims to be the son of God and alters human history forever. His words like wildfire engulf the globe. His message forever seizes the souls of artists, scholars, scientists, kings, and rulers. The world is at a crossroads. Is this man a teacher? A prophet? Is he a lunatic? Is he a con man? Or is he the son of God? And when he rises from the dead, he forces the world to answer one question. Who do you say that I am? All right, we're gonna dig into that question and a whole lot more. We wanna welcome all of our campuses joining in. And before we go anywhere, let's welcome our Waters Avenue campus over there. Pastor Greg and everybody, glad you're with us. Also, before we dig in, we are well aware there's a lot of concerns out there right now. And if you've been following this, which I'm sure you have been, about coronavirus, COVID-19. And uh, we want you to know that Grace Family Church is monitoring evidence-based updates on that. We're staying in touch with people, finding out what's going on. We are also taking a lot of extra measures to make sure that every environment that you are in, especially our children's environments, are clean and safe. Uh, folks, it's just flu and respiratory disease season. So if you're sick, stay home. Uh, you can watch online. We have thousands that watch online. Some have asked. You can give online as well if you'd like to do that. You know the deal, though. Here's the deal during this season. Wash your hands, cover your coughs, etc., etc. But I just want you to know, as a church, we don't want to be people of panic. We want to be people of prayer. Okay? We don't want to live in fear. Because we trust a God that is in control. And at the same time, I want you to know your church is being diligent to make sure that our environments are always clean, safe, and hopefully the best part of your week. So now we got that out of the way. We're starting a new series called I Am. And uh, this is an interesting one because we're going to be looking at some of the shocking things that Jesus said. And we're going to be looking at these all the way into Easter, which by the way, we hope that you're planning to be with us on Easter. That's going to be an amazing weekend. Your friends and family, we're preparing an incredible time for your friends and family. We hope you're going to be there. Now, I like this series because I, like Jesus, have said shocking things. Except, uh, Jesus says something shocking and profound. I say things that are shocking and, how do you say it, stupid. Uh, unfortunately, I say these more than I care to admit, and my wife has a great way of letting me know when I enter that territory, because I will say something, and then I get this look, right? And if I don't catch that look, then she raises the eyebrows to, you know, like kind of, you know, and that's her way of just saying, I love you, shut up. You know, it's just like, you got to stop talking, you know, you're, you're saying something stupid. So uh, this isn't my first rodeo with this, 15 years ago. When I was a youth pastor, I said something so shocking that I was suspended for a week 
and I had to make a public apology. I'm not kidding you. I'm telling you, I said something. I said 11 words in a youth service that were so shocking that I almost got fired. Would you like to know what those words were? I know you're like, wait, you're still at, we're still at church. It, it didn't matter. Let me tell you what those words were. Now prepare yourself. If you've got kids in here, cover their ears because, I mean, this is going to be shocking stuff here. I hope you're ready. Here's what I said. If you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, are you okay? Are you, are, are you, is everybody recovered from the just seismic shock of those statements? Right now, I'm going to tell you what I was doing there. I wasn't even quoting the dumb song. I was actually making a joke from the movie Shrek. Okay, this tells you how going way back 15 years, right? Okay, so some of you are like, oh, I remember that part. Right, yeah, yeah. So I said that. I said, if you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, the next day pastor calls me in. Did you say that? Yes. Go home. Don't come back for a week. Think about what you've done. And I want you to make a public apology to everybody that was in that service. We've got to find everybody that heard that. And we've got to pull them all together into a room to make this apology. Because apparently I was promoting pina coladas and apparently pneumonia. <laughs> Some of you get that joke later. You'll be driving home and be like, wait, wait, you'll catch it. It's all good. It's coming. But it was just a weird moment. Now I will say that Jesus never quoted Shrek and made people upset. No, I think he upped the level, because let me tell you what he did. He quoted the book of Exodus. He made people so upset in that moment that he was almost killed by a mob right there at the spot. Let me tell you what happened here. In the series name, this I am actually comes from this seriously shocking thing, probably the most shocking thing he said at that time. And this is what he said, because one time Jesus called himself I am. You're like, why is that shocking? Well, because way back in Exodus, when Moses asked God, what's your name? God said, I am. I am that I am. And Jesus called himself that, implying that he and God are one. And when he said that, people got angry. They grabbed rocks. They were ready to kill him right there on the spot. He had to be ushered out of that scene. It's an interesting thing because... Jesus said this, that I and God are one, and then people are going, well, no, you're not, because we know you. You grew up in the carpenter guy's house over there in that country town of Galilee. We all know you. No, you didn't. You're not, you and God are not one. But Jesus said, I'm sent from God, and I and God are one. Now, the reason why we're doing this series is really this. You've got to deal with the shocking statements that Jesus said if you're really going to take Jesus seriously. Because he said some things that made people not only uncomfortable, it just were just blew people away. And, and because the reason why you've got to deal with this is this. People say Jesus was a good teacher. No, Jesus is a good moral guy. He taught good moral stuff. He's a good moral everything. Okay, let's just be honest. And, and I mean, again, people use this argument. Jesus was a good teacher. He taught us the golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated. He said to love your enemies. Uh, he elevated the role of women and children in society. He did all that stuff, absolutely true. But you know what? Good teachers do not say they are sent from God and are one with God. That's not a good teacher. 
And Jesus didn't just say it. He made a big deal about I am. I am the bread of life. I am the vine. I am the door. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. Even confronting his disciples at one point said, who do you say that I am? Listen, Jesus was making it really clear. I'm not a good teacher going around telling people to do good things and help old ladies across the street. No, 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 no. You got to deal with stuff like, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Good teachers don't say things like that. He was making a point, and it still shocks today, thousands of years later. Let me ask you, how would you describe Jesus? The Bible describes Jesus in a very interesting way. Look here in John 1, 10 in your bulletin. It says this. It says, he came into the very world he created. Whoa. What? It's an interesting statement, isn't it? But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have, all, we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Now John says some stuff here about Jesus is pretty crazy. <laughs> he came into the world he created. So when, when Jesus says before Abraham, I am, and everyone grabs rocks, what, are you saying he's always been around? He's always existed? Are you saying he and God are one? Are you saying the other guy in, in the lion's den or, or, the, or the, the fiery den, are you saying that was him? Are you saying all these times, are you saying when God walked in the garden that that might have been him? You're saying, are you saying he's always been, what are you saying, right? Shocking things. But the Bible says that Jesus is God as a person sent to save us. And, and that's an interesting thing. It says that those who believe in Jesus, God accepts and he loves them as his own children. He came to save us. This is how he chose to come. And it's an interesting thing. But here's something we've got to talk about. This is where I want to get into this weekend because this is just, again, the shocking things Jesus said. But this is a weird one. They are reborn. What does that mean? That's talking about people who believe in Jesus, and that's a lot of people listening to this. Reborn? What does that mean? Reborn means they start a new life. They're redeemed, restored. They, they started life when they were born, but at some point they begin a new life when they are born again. Born again. Have you ever heard the phrase, all of our campuses, raise your hand. Have you ever heard the phrase, born again? Yeah, a lot of people have heard it, right? You know how it became popular? It's an interesting thing. You know how it got into the national conversation? It got into the conversation a while back. It's a political phrase in America now. And, and it really became political when Jimmy Carter was the first president to ever um, call himself born again. He called himself a born again Christian. And everyone was like, what is a born again Christian? And so then they changed all the political polls to say, well, we're not just interviewing Christians. Now we're interviewing this other new brand of Christians called born-again Christians, right? What are, they, what are they talking about, right? And so 
But you got to take the politics out of it, but that's kind of how it's entered the conversation. I think that's how most people maybe heard that phrase way back in the day, kind of born again, what that's about. Really, honestly, that phrase is a very important phrase. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because you really need to understand what that means. Because it really does frame a lot of how we see our relationship with God and how we see Jesus. And the phrase born again comes from a shocking thing that Jesus said in a late night conversation with someone who didn't want to be seen talking to Jesus. It's a really weird deal. Let me tell you what happened. So Jesus had this conversation with one of the religious leaders. Now most of the religious leaders hated Jesus. Most of their meetings during this time were about plotting to kill Jesus. How can we get him away from the crowd? How can we make it look like an accident? How can we make it, how can we not upset the people but kill this guy off because he's just a troublemaker? We hate this guy. But a couple of the religious leaders were curious about Jesus. The Bible talks about two of them. One of them was a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus late at night. <laughs> he didn't want to get in trouble. So he's running around like, hey, Jesus, Jesus, I was talking, okay, wants to talk to Jesus. Because here's what's interesting about Nicodemus. Nicodemus believed that Jesus was sent from God. He's seen what he's doing. He sees these people get healed. He sees these things happening. He's like, yeah, no, this is God. This isn't, you don't, you, this isn't some, you know, David Copperfield, Chris Angel stuff here, okay? This is like real deal. So he believes in Jesus, but he's got questions. He's like, yeah, but Jesus, some of the things you say, some of the things you do, where's this going? What does this mean? Are you like that? Are you a person you would say, I believe in Jesus, but I have a lot of questions? And I sure would love to have a five-minute conversation with Jesus. I'd love to ask him some questions. So Nicodemus gets to do that. He comes to Jesus late in the night. Here's what happens. John 3, 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? That is one of the weirdest verses ever. <laughs> Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. So again, Nicodemus is a guy who says, I believe in you, Jesus, but I have questions. And Jesus looks at him and says, I got a statement for you, Nick. Let's call him Nick at night. <laughs> Nick at night. Anybody from the 90s remember that? Anyway, so he says, Nick at night, look, here's the deal. I get your questions, but you got to get this straight. You must be born again. And then Nicodemus says the weirdest thing ever. Well, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb? Am I right, Jesus? You know, like, most awkward joke in the Bible, right? I mean, it's just this weird moment. I don't know if he's being sarcastic and just like, right? You know, or if he's just really genuinely asking. Either way, he's looking at Jesus saying, what are you talking about? <laughs> what a weird thing you just said. I mean, what are you saying? This? What is that? It's so weird, right? And this is what's so I love this. Jesus then sits down and says, look, Nick at night, here's the deal. I'm going to explain this to you. And he says you got to be born of water and of the Spirit. Now let me tell you what that means, okay, because this is real easy. When you were born the first time you were born, which you all have been, congratulations, you came from water, okay? A mother's womb is full of amniotic fluid, 
okay? And that's what they, that's what you, before they raise you up Lion King style, okay? That's where you came from, okay? We have some pictures. I'm just kidding, we don't. I don't want to talk about this. Okay, you were born. Are you with me so far? You came from water. Help me, Lord, okay? Now, this is why I never taught science. Jesus says, you're born again when new life comes from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to rewind that. Jesus said, new life comes from the Holy Spirit. And people are like, what? What does that even mean, right? Well, let me just switch to you this way. That means God is speaking to you. That's the Holy Spirit, God's voice, talking to you. You give your life to him. You say, God, I'm giving it all to you. And he starts your life over through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts that when you turn away from your old life, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You receive the power to begin again, to start over. In a weird way, he comes to live in you, you come to live in him. It's this relationship that now begins. Now, some of you may be saying, okay, Matt, this is so fine and good. What a great class about being born again. What is the point? So Jesus says, you must be born again. Not you should be, you ought to be. You must be born again. What's the point of that, Matt? I don't understand. Why is this important? Let me tell you why this is so, so, so important. Because sometimes you will sit in church or read a Bible and you will get a new idea or you will make a new decision. Okay? Follow me. For example, you read a verse on marriage and you decide I'm going to treat my spouse better or you see that Jesus helps the poor and you decide, okay, I want to help the poor. Or you read a thing about Jesus praying and you decide, okay, I want to pray. So what happens in essence is all of those things are very good. All of those are better ways to live. I'm living my life and either a message or the Bible, something showed me a better way to live. I heard something, and I'm making an adjustment. We do this all the time, right? We make adjustments to our lives based on things that God is saying or doing. Please understand this, though, because here it is, okay? Because this is, this is where I won't say this twice. This is a big statement. Jesus is not offering a better way to live. He is offering new life. Now, I'm going to say that again because you got to really get the difference. We're going to digest this. This is a big difference between these two statements. Jesus is not offering a better way to live. He is offering new life. Now, let me make sure we land on this, okay, because this is really important that you get this. Because let me explain. We are a practical church. This is what this means. We don't want to waste your time with anything that's not practical. Right? Here's the three P's about Paul's journey to Philippi. Well, then you leave and go, I have nothing to apply. Right? There's not, I learned something, but I don't know what to do with it. Right? We want to, every single weekend you come, we want you to apply the Bible to your daily life. But here's what I want you to understand. But please understand this. It is not about making tweaks. 
It's about making a decision. I've got to get this. Jesus, let me put it to you this way. Some of you have worked in IT before. Jesus is not looking to update your operating system. He is looking to overhaul your operating system. Now, some of you are like, well, should I stop doing good things God's telling me to do? No. <laughs> no. Let me make this really clear. Any step toward Jesus is a good one. Everyone should make steps toward what Jesus wants to do. If you hear a message, you go to church, you read a Bible, and you find a step you can take, everybody needs to take those steps. Those are good things. What I'm saying is this. Those steps are good things, but eventually those steps lead to a door. All those tweaks eventually lead to do you need to change out the old for the new now? You've tweaked the old enough. There's a door that everyone hits that you have to decide, am I going in or am I staying out? Because that door, I've been trusting him with little bitty things, little things, little things, and then suddenly you hit a door that says everything. That's the difference. You can make all the Jesus additions to your life that you want to. You can make all the homeowner improvements that you want to, all good things. But please understand, Jesus is not interested in tweaking the house. He's interested in renovating the whole thing. Now, he's not going to do that all at once. But in you, he's not looking to tweak your old life. He's looking to start a new life. And I just want to make sure that you understand the difference. God's voice is the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want you to hear him whisper to you every few weeks. He wants you every day to be guided by his voice. Every day guided by the Holy Spirit. Every day living in the power of what he tells you. Yeah. And there's a difference, right? Because here's the thing, you go, why? Well, okay, because some of us, again, you're hearing from God, he's checking in every month, and we're making a little tweak. Good things. Good things. But eventually, you run into this challenge of Jesus wants to come in and take over. And you got to deal with that. How am I going to deal with that? He wants you to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to accept that the cross of Christ pays for everything that's happened in your old life. He wants you to step out of that and be guided by him into a new life. That's what he wants you to do. That's what scares, the death, that's what scares people to death about Christianity. Because at some point it is all or nothing. At some point you just can't like put a Bible verse in your bathroom and be like, It keeps my bathroom holy. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, you got to decide if you're going to live that verse. He doesn't care if it's in your bathroom. He cares if it's in your heart. At some point, you got to deal with, is Jesus Lord? Or is he Lord? It's a difference. Look at this verse, Romans 10, 9 through 11. You want to know how to do it? Here it is. 
If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Boy, that's a challenge. And that, that's a different ballgame we're playing right there. That's a whole different level. Let me tell you, when you move from trusting him with little things to trusting him with everything, that's when new life begins. That's a whole nother level. That's why Jesus talked about being born again. Some people read that and go, what does that mean? Why is that so important? It's important because he is telling us at some point, you got to stop tweaking the old thing and trust him with everything. And that's new life. So it begs the question. Jesus says you must be born again. Are you born again? Jesus literally says you will not see what God can do with your life unless you're born again. Are you trying to add Jesus to what you're already doing? To your old life or do you need Jesus to give you new life? Small changes are always good. Always good. But at some point, surrender is a whole other thing. Surrender is when real change begins. And the Bible tells us that anyone who trusts in him will not regret it. I just want you to know, Jesus is so much more than new ways to live your life. Jesus is so much more than four ways to a better this and six tips to a better this. He is new life. He is life to the fullest. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And he tells us that unless you're born again, you will never see what your life can be. So what I want to do is if you're ready to fully trust Christ with your life, if you hear this and you feel like God again, this is that whole Holy Spirit thing, he's speaking to you and you go, you know what, I've just been making tweaks, I need to surrender. I, I keep giving God little things, but I don't, ever, I don't know if I've ever trusted him with everything. I'm ready. Then I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want to say this before I pray. I'm going to make an announcement right after we do this before we go to campus pastors, okay? So I want to invite you to stay until we close because I've got something uh, really uh, cool that we want to announce. But if you're ready to trust Jesus with your whole heart, not just a piece of it, just pray with me right now. At all of our campuses, if you'll just bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment. God, I want to trust you with my whole heart. I believe there is forgiveness for me through the cross of Jesus Christ. I believe there is hope for me through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Forgive me. Cleanse my heart. Make me new. And I want to invite you to say these next three words out loud. If you're, if you're a person who's believing for the first time or if you're a believer and you believe this, say these next three words out loud. Jesus is Lord. 
fill me with your Holy Spirit and may new life begin today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to tell you, if you made that decision today, I want you to let us know. Someone hand me a connection card down there real quick. Let us know with this connection card. Now, we're not going to come to your house and do anything weird, but here's what we want to do. We want to pray for you and help you connect at Grace. And if, if you made a decision today, we would like to know and pray for you and encourage you. Also, at all of our campuses, if you're new to following Jesus, we have a free book about following Jesus. Your prayer teams, they're going to come to the stage at the end of the service. We'll have that for you. If you would like that, just come up and ask for it, and we'll be happy to give it to you. Now, one last thing before we go to our campus pastors. Easter is five weeks away, and we are preparing an amazing service for your friends and family. We're praying big things all over Tampa Bay and beyond for Easter weekend. And what we want to do as a church is we want to invite you to prepare for Easter with us. So what we're inviting everyone and anyone to do is starting Monday, enter a time of prayer and fasting until Good Friday, April 10th. Now some of you hear that and say, I'm down for the prayer. The fasting thing though, you got to be kidding me. What is that? Let me tell you what fasting is in a, in a nutshell. Fasting is giving up something so you can focus. That's it. You take something out, it helps you focus. Some people do food fast, uh, soda fast, uh, TV fast, social media fast. I mean, there's a, a million ways you can do this. Find something that you want to remove for those days to help you focus and replace that with praying of who you're going to invite and, and just praying in general, turning, we just want to turn up the heat on our focus on God over these next 32 days. We want to invite you to join us. I think you'll grow. I think it'll be great. You'll be glad that you did. Campus pastors, I want to invite you guys to come on up and close our service. <laughs>